Good evening, everyone. Welcome again to our uh, weekly Bible study slash midweek service. Yeah, uh, thank God that you guys made it out here and um, really appreciate all of you being here and joining our service with us. Um, if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark, the book of Mark. If you guys can turn to chapter 6, we'll be in verse 14 to 29. Um, it's just one story, uh, one big narrated story. And so we're, we're, we're just going to read through it and we're just going to take out a couple things and then you'll be on your way. And I think that's how Bible study should be. So, Lord, Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you pursue us over and over and over again into those kind of deeper places in our lives. Thank you, God, that you're so patient with us, Lord. And that you see us through every situation, every hardship, and everything that's going on. And so we put our trust and our faith in you in this season of our lives, God. And we ask that you would just have your way and that we would just grow that much closer to you. And so as we read your word, please speak to us, Lord God, by your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We don't, uh, probably not a long message, uh, but, oh, does, anybody, does everybody have a Bible? Are we good? We're good? Okay. There's Bibles on the side, just in case. Um, and so last week, I think a lot of weeks, every week, I think I almost emphasize all the time that what Jesus wants is you. I think I say that all the time, and I think I'll say it all the time. What Jesus wants is you. What Jesus wants most from you is you. Right? Okay, so he doesn't want your stuff. People think that. He doesn't need your stuff. Right? He is God. Like he doesn't need your stuff. And, and so Jesus being God who was with the Father before anything was ever created. You can just wrap your mind around that. Paul says in the book of Colossians that by Jesus, all things were created. So this word all in the Greek, if you do a word study, means all. Right? So everything was created by Jesus, both in the heavens and on earth. It says thrones and dominions, both invisible and visible, all things were made by him and all things were made for him. All right, so this means everything that you and I have, including the very breath that you're breathing, has been given to us by God and ultimately for God. Okay, so we're good? And one of the things that we've been given is something called a conscience. All right? We've been given a conscience. This word conscience that's used in the New Testament means moral awareness. See, you and I have been given the ability by God to know what's right and wrong. Everyone. Any Messianic Jews in here? Besides Kip? Go ahead, raise your hand. Most of us here aren't Jewish, but in the book of Romans, and yet Paul would argue to us, right, that even though we weren't given the Mosaic law, we have received in our time 
a measure of light or a way of living, okay, that ultimately lines up with who God is. Like, you know at a young age it's not right to steal from your neighbor, right? Like, it's not good to steal from anybody, right? And it doesn't matter what culture you're in or, or where you're from, honoring your father and mother is a very universal thing. And where do you think those val- that, value, that value system comes from? That's in the Ten Commandments. Anybody here tell a lie? Those of you who aren't raising your hands, you're lying. <laughs> right? right? If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. And, and so Paul makes this case with us, whether you are a Jew, right, ethnic Jew, which none of us are, or, except Kip, or a Gentile, which really just means non-Jewish, all of us have fallen into the category of missing God's standard of holiness. This is why Romans says, for all have sinned, everyone, all. Again, that Greek word, look it up, means everyone. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This means even in my best efforts, no matter how hard I try, gosh, I fall short daily. Daily of how God designed life to be lived. This is why as believers, as Christians, you and I can rejoice and celebrate that God doesn't see us in our condition and turn his face. Ever. No, he sees us, knows everything about us, knows everything about you, and continues to pursue you. You can rejoice. You can celebrate in that. And so this is where our conscience is a very powerful tool given by God. Everyone here has a conscience, but not everyone here has the Holy Spirit. Wait, it is for those of us who put our faith in Christ Jesus. All right? Because, listen, it, the law doesn't save you, right? We just, we break the law. We broke the law. There, there is no starting now. No, we've broken the law, right? So the law is there to show us that we need a Savior, right? The law shows us that we need saving because we cannot keep it, right? So we put our faith in Christ. He then gives us the Spirit, right? Uh, and it says that the Spirit seals us. Uh, Ephesians 4 says, until the day of redemption. So from now until glory, the Spirit is given to you and to me to teach us, to guide us, to help us, to counsel us, to comfort us and brings us, listen, into an everlasting love relationship with Jesus. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's love. That's crazy that this is, it's love. It's so simple. A love relationship between you and Jesus, so thick that it just pours out onto other people. Gosh, and it's because he loves us and he loves you and he loves me. He doesn't leave us the way we are. Like, gosh, that's the whole point. The Spirit of God now works with our conscience. Remember that? We've been given a conscience. Reveals to us different areas of our lives where we can conform more and more and more and more into his image. Gosh, you just go read back. Go read the Beatitudes. I spent like 18 weeks in there. Like, those are good check engine lights. Like, blessed, what does he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Not the ones who got it all together. 
Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, not, not the ones who are proud, not the ones that they think they're the... Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, he says, for theirs and theirs alone is the kingdom of heaven. Like, blessed are the gentle, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers, and yet God knows I fall short of sometimes being peaceable or gentle. You can ask my wife. But he doesn't see that and say, gosh, this again, David? Like, this again? We went over this. No, he knows everything about me. Like, he knows everything about me and makes his way towards me. Makes his way towards me with love and grace. Says, this is not the way. Like, this isn't it. Let me show you. This is the way to life. You read Psalm 16. And all you have to do is give yourself over. It's like that simple. All you have to do is give yourself over to me because if you continue down this path, if you keep going down this road, you might just get hurt. This is the same, this is God loving us rightly. Like this is what the love of God is. It's loving us rightly. This is the same thing as if you've seen things in my life, right, if you've seen me, that will, things and problems in my life that will ultimately hurt me and the people around me, wouldn't you tell me? Man, I pray that you would tell me. It, it would be unloving for you to not tell me. It'd actually be really wicked to just let me go off on my own. And, and so God loves you, loves me, loves us rightly by pursuing those deeper areas of our lives. And what Jesus wants most from you is who is what? You. All right, so I'm going to keep saying that every week. Gosh, if you just receive that. All right, what Jesus wants most from you is you. Amen? I would close out, but I got to read this passage. That's pretty much like all I wanted to say, but we're going to read this passage. We're going to try to grab some stuff out of there. So, um, now, the story last week ended with his disciples being instructed, hey, you guys, go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom. You go preach the gospel and the message of repentance. So they have been given, these disciples, the authority and power to do everything that Jesus did. Everything. But before this story continues, see, Mark takes us back to tell us what happened to John the Baptist. The story begins present day, uh, but then Mark takes us into John's final moments. We will begin in verse 14. And then we're going to read it all the way through. Oh, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 14. And it says, this, and um, King Herod, and King Herod heard of it, for his name, right, Jesus' name, had become well known, and people were saying, John the Baptist has risen from the dead, and this is why these miraculous powers are at work in him, but others were saying he is Elijah, And others were saying he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. By the way, it's been 400 400 years since they've seen anything like this. But when Herod heard of it, he kept saying, John, whom I beheaded, has risen. For Herod himself had sent and had John arrested 
and bound in prison, so this is, this is what happened, on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Verse 19, Herodias had a grudge against him, John, and wanted to put him to death and could not do so. For Herod was afraid of John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. And when he heard him, he was very perplexed, but he used to enjoy listening to him. 21. A strategic day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his lords and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. And when the daughter of Herodias herself came in and danced, it's not a, it's, it's not a guys, but it's not, this is not a good kind of dancing, um, danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests, and the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you want, and I will give it to you. And he swore to her, whatever you ask of me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. Verse 24. And she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in a hurry to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And although the king was very sorry, Yet because of his oaths and because of his dinner guests, he was unwilling to refuse her. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded him to bring back his head, and he went and had him beheaded in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When the disciples heard about this, they came and took away his body and laid it in a tomb. Father, thank you for your word. God, just help us to see your truth in this, your love in this. Help us to just draw gospel implications from this passage, Lord, and just let us walk away with that tonight. So we love you again, Father. Thank you for who you are. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Now, this story brings us back, uh, starts, uh, begins present day. That's what I said in the beginning. Uh, it begins really with the good news of Jesus Christ spreading all throughout the region of Galilee. It, it was the name of Jesus, all right? So it was the name of Jesus that everyone knew and not his disciples, all right? So even though they were the ones who were sent out, it was Jesus and Jesus' name alone that reached the ears of the people, Right? So it was Jesus' power that people seen when his disciples healed someone. Right? So it was Jesus' words that people heard when his disciples preached. And so John, who preached the message of the kingdom and repentance, Herod, in his paranoia, would somehow believe to be John back from the uh, dead. Jesus to be John back from the dead. That's kind of my take on it. And because John and Jesus were cousins, uh, that if you've seen Jesus, this is, I just read some this, something from somewhere, that if you've seen Jesus, uh, you would also be reminded of John. But whatever the case may be, Herod is not just reminded of these past events or reminded of what um, he did. He is reminded of the opportunity he had. Listen, to step into what's good 
and to step into what is right. All right? It says that John called him out on his unlawful marriage. Now, there are many Herods in the Bible, uh, Herods in the Gospels, and there is one mentioned in Acts, which is Herod Agrippa. For, but for the sake of not getting off track, Herod the Great had three sons. The last time we see Herod the Great is in Matthew chapter 2. So when Herod the Great passed away, the Romans divided his territory among his three sons. Now, Herodias, okay, so this is the wife that we see, right? So Herodias was the granddaughter of Herod the Great. So check this out. Therefore, making her the niece to his sons. And so making her the niece to his sons. So this is who Herod Antipas, the one in this story, took from his brother Philip. So not only was Herodias his niece slash sister-in-law, but now has become his wife. Slash uncle. That's gross. Right? So John the Baptist calls him out on his sin. You claim to be a Jew or pose as one, but your marriage breaks what the Levitical law says. And so let's pick things up in verse 19 to 20 real quick. It says that from this calling out, or John's correction, verse 19, Herodias had a grudge. She had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death and could not do so. For Herod was afraid of John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. And when he heard him, he was very perplexed, but he used to enjoy listening to him. Um, last week, I got to stand for Auntie Jean uh, at a health convention. Um, all kinds of health people there, including my kind of people, mental health. All right, so I knew I belonged there. Now, I, I was there. I was there. She mentioned that. It's for mental health, and I was like, yeah, anyway. Uh, I think I got offended. No, I didn't get offended. Now, I was there um, at this health convention to represent, really, the ministry of U-Turn for Christ. And so throughout the day, people would come around and ask some questions and take pamphlets and um, ask more questions. And uh, one lady there in uh, particular came up to me praising the ministry. Like, (laughs) you're doing a good thing praising the ministry for all they do. By the way, U-Turn, if you don't know U-Turn, U-Turn for Christ is right here. I'm U-Turn for Christ. U-Turn for Christ is amazing, right? So saying, right, saying that she loved the fact that people were being restored and getting off of drugs, then she moved from there real quickly and, and then asked me, but do you support LGBTQ? I, is this a trick question? Like, I, I had no idea where she came from. Right? I don't know if she believed in Jesus or she came from a, right? Like, I have no uh, idea, but hey, she likes people getting off of drugs, so that's a good thing. Right? She asked me, hey, do you support LGBTQ? Like, what, what do you mean? Like, because if you're asking me if I support male and male, female and female, it's really not about what I think or how I feel, right? It's, it's about who I believe in and what he says uh, about it. And gosh, she lovingly turned away from me. 
And although her response, right, giving me her back is one that says, I don't agree, gosh, God is still after her. Right, because whether it be same-sex attraction or drug abuse or any other sin, the convictions that we feel or when the conscience, conscience is alerted, it may not always feel good, but they are what God uses as invitations. Like, we don't see it like that, do we? They're invitations. See, Tim Keller says this. I, I love Tim Keller. I, I, he's like the Jedi. He's like a Jedi in the Christian faith. I don't believe some of his, I don't like some of his theology, but most of his gospel stuff is great. You guys should, anyway. Tim Keller says this. He says, if your God never disagrees with you, you might be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. All right, let me say that. If your God never disagrees with you, you might be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. So the fact that God's will and my will and your will clashes at times is a beautiful thing. Like not only does it show God's divine patience towards us, but it is an invitation. It is an opportunity to step into more life now. Now, that's what convictions are. That's when the conscience is alerted to step into more peace now, to step into more joy now. It is always going to be better to do life how God designed it to be. Because he is the author of life. All things were made by him and for him. And so your best life now, your best life today is not what you say life is. It's what God says life is. Gosh, and this is the long, long road home. This is until glory. Now Herodias did not agree with John. Like this lady, it says that she held a grudge against him and really just wanted to kill him. But Herod, waiting to protect John, put him in prison so that Herodias could not touch him. That's his evil wife. They're both evil. And it said that he would go down to the prison just to hear John speak. And so I believe at this point, Herodias' conscience was being stirred. Not only did he not find fault in John, it says that he was a righteous and a holy man. But it says he enjoyed listening to him. He enjoyed being with him. But we know how the story ends. It ends with Herod at his own party, birthday party, and his wife using her own daughter to seduce him into giving her what she wanted, kind of like a blank check. It says that the story ends with John's life being taken from him with John's head being served on a platter. It says in this verse that Herod was very sorry, deeply sorry. Some translations say deeply grieved. And we know this because some time has passed and it still haunts him today. Like it still haunts him till this day. This move that he made or this thing that happened still haunts him right now. I think someone called, called, called the death of John um, a dish not on the menu. Sorry, just trying to make light of things. This, <laughs> this, thing, this thing that he did still haunts him present day here. And, and he still remembers everything he did. And so there, there's just a few things 
there's a few things I want to take away from this. The first thing is I want to tell you is God knows. I don't say that in a creepy way. I'm not trying to say that. In a, like, I'm trying to say God knows. Like, he knows knows. Like, he knows everything about you. Past, present, and what you're about to do. Right? So there might be something that happened in your life that maybe you have not gotten over. He knows. Gosh, I just want to encourage you. Like, he is with you. I don't know what that is. Like, there might be something you might have done, and no one else knows, but he knows. And what does he do? He says, come this way. Gosh, come this way. Like, I see your struggle. I see your burden. Like, I see your brokenness. Come here. Like, come in. Like, he's not some kind of cosmic cop. Gosh, he is a loving father that just wants to be with his children. So first thing is, he knows. Number two is this. Gosh, he loves you. Like if you just receive that. Like he loves you. He knows and he loves you. He knows everything about you and he loves you. Everything. He loves you so much that he died for you. All right? So in this passage, it says, Herod seen John as a righteous and a holy man. And what Herod felt was grieved as he put a man like John to death. But the Bible tells us there's none righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And although John died in undeserving death, See, Jesus was the only one who ever lived a perfect and blameless life. See, even though John died an undeserving death, Jesus truly died a death he did not deserve. See, Herodias killed John because of their sin being pointed out, and yet it was my sin and it was your sin that Jesus took upon himself at the cross. It says that God demonstrated his love for us. That while you were still running around, that while you were still doing your thing, he died for you. Jesus fully and freely paid the price for all my failures. Past, present, and future. Like there is nothing that you can do that will take him by surprise. Right? Like he knew what he bought before he bought it. So you cannot surprise him. And my last point. The third thing is this, he wants you, right? So he knows you, he loves you, and gosh, he wants you. Every day he wants you. And what God wants most from you is you. All of you, wholehearted worship. Like the road to a more holy life doesn't come from you trying to be more holy. It comes from you giving yourself over to the one who is. Like you want to deal with a certain sin? You look to Jesus. Like you want to learn to love? You look to Jesus. Right? You want to be more peaceable? Look to Jesus. Like you want life and life abundant? Gosh, just look to Jesus. And this is all day, every day, every hour. This is what I got to do. This is it. Give myself over. 
Gosh, he never gets tired of us. Like I said, you don't take him by surprise. If I can say one, which I don't like to do, if I can just say one, do not be like. It's do not be like Herod and ignore your conscience. It is a powerful gift given to you. Every day God is speaking to you, pursuing you, trying to draw you closer into him. It's very easy to hear his voice but not act upon it. And over time, I think he, uh, Pastor Steve mentioned this, Timothy 4, very briefly, that even our own conscience can be seared. It's a gift from God by his spirit. He uses it to help us make the right decision, not just in our day today, but to make the decision to choose Jesus daily. Amen? So if you got anything tonight, three things. He wants you. He knows you. Gosh, and he loves you. You can say it in any order. And if you take anything away, that's it. You just receive, gosh, if you just receive that, you'll do good. <laughs> like, you'll do well. Amen? Yeah. Father, we love you, God, and we thank you, God, for your grace and your infinite love towards us. Help us to receive that layers upon layers upon layers of knowing you and how much you love us, Lord. Help the gospel be more real in my life, in everyone's life here, Lord. And help us to live a life that is also honoring and pleasing to you. Help us to listen to that voice, Lord, telling us, hey, do this. Like, this is the way to life. Come this way. Help us to, uh, help us to act upon those convictions, to act uh, upon these things, Lord. And not shrink back. Father, I, I thank you, God, that when we fail or we make mistakes, you just, hey, it's time to just get back up. Get back up and keep going, Lord. I thank you for your patience with us, your kindness towards us, God. And so, Father, I pray for every man, woman, and children within this building. Father, would you bless them this week? Give them divine appointments to just share their testimony, to just share how much you love them. Gosh, because somebody needs to hear that, Lord. Father, we pray for healing within this room. If there's any tension or brokenness, God, I pray that you would uh, come and unite us, Lord, as one body uh, under you. And so we love you and we praise you for everything that you're doing here. In Jesus' name, amen.